Welcome to the Well Studying Podcast. This is episode 102. It's April 13th, 2015. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. In today's episode, we're going to take a break from talking about how to trade stocks and kind of the nuts and bolts, the money-making part of wealth, and we're going to talk about the pursuit of happiness. You see, everybody knows that phrase. It's obviously so important that it's been immortalized in the Declaration of Independence, but unfortunately, to just about everybody, it's just a cliche. I don't think most people know the power of that statement, and if they do, it doesn't appear that they know how to act that out so that they can pursue their happiness, which eventually is going to result in building wealth. And consequently, that's obviously why I would be talking about it on the Wealth Setting Podcast. Each episode here, I try and talk to you about things from my own life, personal experiences I've had, things that I can pass on to you to help you to be able to think so that you can build your own wealth. Sometimes that involves money. Sometimes it involves starting a business. It may involve how to get a raise at work or how to find work that you enjoy. Today, we're going to talk about pursuing happiness. Before we do that, two quick things. One, I will mention that uh, still giving away those books. We have a, a raffle coming up that's open until midnight Pacific time on tax day, April 15th. I have three books written by Bill O'Neill that I'll be giving away and then four copies of Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. If you're interested in that, you're not aware of the contest, go over and listen to the beginning part of episode 100. I think that's where I lay out uh, how we're giving those away. I will have that drawing on the 16th, and then I'll ship those books out to you free of charge. Incidentally, I will say most people that have responded and have joined the contest so far want the investing books. So if you are interested in getting a free copy of, of Covey's book, then uh, this is probably the best chance you're going to have because uh, not many people have, have entered into that part of the drawing and you'll have really good odds at probably winning a copy. So if you want to read The 7 Habits of Highly Effective People and you want a free copy of it, go listen to the beginning part of episode 100. The other thing I wanted to mention was the stock market. We're not going to talk about it. Uh, as we've been in for weeks now, we're just in a trading zone. For the last three weeks or so, the market, uh, you know, it moves up to a high of a right around 2100 or so, and then to a low right, uh, right around 2040, 2050. It's just up and down in that range. The last six trading sessions or so, it's been above, uh, in some cases, just barely above the 50-day moving average. We'll see a day or two where we have a half a percent or maybe even close to 1% upward movement. And then the next day, all those gains will be erased. That's what happened today. The market uh, had a very good day on Friday. It started out excellent uh, this morning, Monday morning. And then by afternoon, it fell apart. That's what we would call a negative reversal. That's a bad sign. It was pretty much widespread across all stock categories. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that right now I'm predominantly in cash. When the markets are just jittery like this and up and down and very turbulent, I get out, I move to a money market fund, that's a safe harbor. I stay there until I can determine a definitive pattern. Right now, I, the only pattern I see is, you know, up one day, down the next, I stay out. As always on this podcast, I'm not offering you direct or specific recommendations or making referrals or offering you advice. I'm simply just telling you what I'm doing, what my opinions are, and you can take them for what they're worth. Now, as far as our main topic today, pursuing happiness. The pursuit of happiness is obviously mentioned in the Declaration of Independence. Sometime in the future, I will do a whole episode on that. I don't think most people understand it. Now, let me rephrase that. Look, someday I'm going to do an episode and I'm going to tell you what I understand that phrase to mean to me. I'm no intellectual. I don't have a PhD in constitutional law or anything. So I'm just going to tell you what it means to me, what it means to my life, and how I've implemented that in my life to provide me more wealth and more happiness. But that's down the road here. 
Today, what I want to talk about are specific examples of listeners from this audience that are in the pursuit of their happiness. And I'm doing this for two reasons, maybe even three, I don't know, at least two. Reason one is that I want you to just get a feel for those of you that are in this audience. It's a very diverse audience, but it's also a, a very success-oriented and a very, you know, goal-seeking type uh, audience. So I want you to, you know, get, get more of a kindred and a spirit for the community that you're involved with by, by listening to this podcast, by submitting questions, you know, by participating in, you know, the few events and things like that that we have. The other thing is I want to point this out in terms of the generality of things. You know, oftentimes people either, you know, email me or contact me or when I see them in person, you know, they always want a very specific answer. You know, what career should I, you know, what career path should I follow? Young people will ask me or many people will ask me, you know, well, what can I do with a thousand dollar investment? And if you go back to previous podcasts, you'll see where, where I've talked about that. Uh, or they'll ask me, you know, what's the three best mutual funds I should invest in or whatever. You know, this show isn't about specifically telling you things. I'm not trying to hawk a newsletter or sell my advice. The real purpose of this show, you know, there's a couple reasons. One of them is to get you to think for yourself. And that doesn't mean you're in it alone and you have to do everything alone. I mean, obviously, my clients are thinking for themselves because they're very intelligent people. But one of those intelligent choices they decided to make was to have me manage their money. So it isn't like you have to do everything yourself. I started out as a, you know, a young man. One of my many careers was a hydraulics mechanic. I was trained in the military to work on uh, ground support equipment for aircraft and different things with aircraft. F-4 Phantoms was the fighter aircraft uh, squadron that I was in when I was a young Marine. And, you know, uh, one of the many things I learned to do was to change oil. When I owned my own car, again, as a young man, I spent many, you know, many times, many hours changing my own oil. Well, you know what? Today, although I know how to change my oil, I don't do it, right? It's, I wait for a coupon and take it down to Jiffy Lube somewhere or whatever. I let them do it. I don't want to deal with the mess. I don't want to deal with disposing of the oil. I don't want to burn my hand on a hot oil filter. I don't want to have to look around and find the right tool to, to you know, to, to clamp the oil filter on the particular car I'm changing. I don't want any of those problems. It's easier to go down and pay, you know, 20 or 30 bucks, have somebody else do it for me. So it isn't that I don't know how to change oil. It isn't that I don't know when it should be done. It isn't that I don't know the importance of it. It isn't that I don't track my mileage and all those things. I am very astute and very aware of all those things about why and when and how I should change my motor oil. But when it comes down to doing the dirty work, I just simply choose not to do it. Now, I would say that in terms of uh, you in the audience that are older, more mature, maybe you have a very nice size nest egg, you know, uh, you've built your lifetime saving up, and at this point, you don't feel comfortable investing your own money. Well, that's fine. I'm not telling you you should do that. Trust me, if you're uncomfortable about it, or if you feel that you don't know what you're doing, or you know, you're inexperienced at it, then by all means, you should not invest your own money. But that does not mean that you should not know what's going on with your money. That does not mean that you shouldn't be aware, at least at a general level, what's going on with the state of the economy, you know, what's going on in the industry, and all things like that. And the reason for that is, if you're unaware, you're going to get ripped off. So even if you're paying someone else to do it for you, if you're not aware of what they should be doing, how they should be doing it, if when you ask them questions, if the answers they give you do not match with the reality that you see because you're aware of things going on, you have situational awareness about the economy, then you know that you need to get a different money manager or a different advisor. So I do want to clarify that, you know, when I'm talking about educating you and having you being able to make your own decisions and, be, and being aware and thinking for yourself, again, that doesn't mean that you should be changing your own oil. It just means that you should be knowledgeable. Okay, so I, I ran down a rabbit hole there. 
I digressed. Forgive me. Let's get back on track. We're talking about the pursuit of happiness today, but it does come back to the fact that people are always wanting that very short, very specific right answer. Okay. You know, they don't want to think for themselves. I was recently talking to people, uh, some people, some primarily younger people about getting out of debt. And I was trying to explain to them the importance of, you know, getting the right career, getting a job or starting your own business where you're building revenue, where you're building an income stream, you know, whether it's a salary or a, a high hourly wage or whether you're working on, you know, your own business where you're making your own commission, whatever it is, you have to have some type of an income stream. And then when you have that income stream, you have to, in parallel with that, you have to save. You have to be a disciplined saver where you're mature enough, where you, where you spend or you consume significant significantly less than you make. And I'm, you know, I'm explaining this process and this one young person asked me, well, you know, like what's this have to do with getting out of debt? Well, it has everything to do with not getting into debt to begin with the first time around. But, you know, the whole, the whole concept here is that, well, you know, how do you think you got into debt? How do you think you're going to get out of it? You think that you're going to watch late night TV and someone's, you know, going to put a commercial up there with an 800 number for you to call and that's going to consolidate all your debts and get, you know, reduce your payments and get you out of all the money you owe? I don't know. I don't think that works, right? I've never tried it because I've never been in debt. I haven't had to do that. The only way I know how to get it out of debt is to earn money, save, and pay off your debts and never get there again. And I can't give you a specific answer how you do that yourself, right? If you've got $30,000 of credit card debt, hey, brother, I don't know. I'll say a prayer for you. I mean, I can give you some general advice, but you've got to figure it out yourself. I don't know where you live. I don't know what your talents are. I don't know what your abilities are. I don't know how motivated you are. Those are all the factors, and the bottom line is it's going to come down to you and the decisions you make and the actions you take. It's very specific to you. So I tend to talk in a lot of generalities in this podcast because I don't know of one right way that's specific to you. I can tell you things I know about. I can tell you things of uh, other people that I have experience with. But at the end of the day, you have to figure out what works for you. And that's the same when it comes to pursuing happiness. Let me give you four examples. And these are two different categories of, of uh, people pursuing happiness. And, but they're listeners that come from this podcast. There's these four things I'm going to tell you about are about people that are in this listening audience. I haven't asked the permission just to talk about this. Um, in two cases, I'm going to be generic enough where you, know, you wouldn't have any idea who they are. The other two people I'm going to identify and you'll find out why as we go along. I haven't asked their permission. I don't think they're going to care. Uh, here we go. The first person or category I want to talk about, and this is a couple. This is a man and a woman, and their pursuit of happiness evolves around their retirement dream. They're, you know, in their mid-40s, they're planning on taking early retirement. Now, they're not doing this because they found a way to live super cheap or because they, you know, received an inheritance from somebody or something like that. They're, they're able to do this because they've spent the last couple decades saving and preparing and putting themselves on track so that they can take early retirement, like, you know, when they're in their early 50s, and go out and do what they want to do. And you may be saying, well, hey, you know, that, that's lucky them. They're, they're this or that. You know what? They're just common, everyday, middle-class people that if you met on the street, you wouldn't know that they have this amazing dream unless they told you about it, okay? And you wouldn't know that they've been preparing for it for years and know they're not, you know, Bill and Linda Gates and they have billions of dollars. They're just regular people that have saved and skimped and, and uh, you know, put money away for their plan and take an action so that when they get to the early 50s, they're going to have their pension and their savings in place. And again, no, they're not, you know, multimillionaires. They're just people that came out of the middle class like you, and they have this dream they're pursuing. And you're going to say, well, you know, people, 
you know, maybe these, this couple can do it in the early fifties, but most people can't. Well, you know, you're right. Most people can't, but I've met a lot of people that have. And if you're listening to this podcast, then you're listening to another guy that has, because again, if you've listened here any length of time, you know, my story, you know, I pretty much left corporate America when I was about, uh, in my early fifties, 52, 53 years old, something like that. And although I'm not officially quote retired, I'm retired in the aspect that I'm financially independent and I get up every day and I do what I love to do. Now for me, I happen to love to trade stocks, to manage money, manage portfolios and interact with, you know, what I call the millionaire next door, middle class millionaires are just people that have saved and put their life savings together and they have a significant amount of wealth and they put their trust and faith in me to manage that money for them. Now that's what I love to do. That's what I didn't start doing until I, I was in my 50s. I had to wait until I had the, my own capital, my own experience, my own ability to put that together. But I was able to leave corporate America and literally not have to work if I didn't want to. Now, I, again, wouldn't be living a you know, Bill and Linda Gates life experience because I didn't have that much money, but I did have enough money to cover my living expenses you know, for decades into the future. That's because I live frugally. That's the way middle-class millionaires or middle-class independent wealth people, that's how they become independently wealthy. Because in general, they, they earn more than average, they save well more than average, and then they're successful investors, whether it's stocks or real estates or, or whatever. Incidentally, I do want to interject here. Every now and then people say, well, you know, you always talk about the millionaire next door, or, uh, middle class millionaire. Well, you know, a million dollars doesn't go as far as it used to. People that yet generally tell me that are people that don't have a million dollars. So they would have no idea how far a million dollars can go. Uh, but I will grant that obviously with inflation and things that a million dollars isn't what it was 30 years ago. And it doesn't buy the freedom independence that it did. However, it's a nice phrase to use. It, it's a, when I use it, I use it as a euphemism for being financially independent. Generally, I'm talking about people that have at least a decade of living expenses uh, saved up, uh, if not, you know, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years. So whether for you, that's a million dollars or a million and a half or three million or whatever that number is, it doesn't matter. Again, it's not a specific hard written number. And that, that when I talk about the middle class millionaire, that's up to you. I don't know how much money you need to live on. But trust me, even with only a million dollars, you can squeeze some pennies out of that and live a really good life. In any case, let's get back to the topic, the pursuit of happiness. So this first couple I want to tell you about, they're in their mid-40s. And you know what their dream is? And this is just awesome. This just blows me away. Their dream in the next you know, five or six years or so, when they get into the early 50s, they want to take their early retirement with the money they have saved up. They want to sail to Australia. They want to take three years to get there. And after they've done that, after they've hit the islands along the way and done that whole journey, you know, they don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they're going to take three years to, to come back. Maybe they'll come back quicker. Maybe they'll sail the sailboat and fly home. You know, I don't know. Maybe they'll go to Tahiti. Who knows what they, they have no clue what they want to do, but they know that they want to spend anywhere from three to six years sailing the Pacific with the destination of Australia. Now, how cool is that? Okay. You know, I, and a lot of people talk about things. Not too many people really do them. This couple, although they haven't attained their goal yet, they're moving in the right direction. They've been working for decades towards this goal. Oftentimes you hear me say, you know, it took me 20 years to, to work out of corporate America. And people say, well, how'd it take it, you know, that long? How'd you survive? Well, you know, I was pursuing my dreams along the way. So although I look back now and I say, boy, I was really miserable. I probably wasn't as miserable as I think I am now because one, I didn't know how good it was going to be when I got out. I didn't know how one wonderful it would be. The other thing is I was pursuing the dream. And as long as you're pursuing the dream, you're happy because you, even though you hadn't made your goal, you're getting closer to it every day. 
Remember, in the Declaration of Independence, it does not say that you're entitled to happiness. It says it's about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? So I might even argue that the goal is unimportant. It's the pursuit of it to begin with. That's where all the joy comes in. And this couple, they've been preparing for like, you know, 20 years. They've been working at stable jobs. They've been building their 401k plan, their retirement benefits. I mean, all that stuff is, is moving along in the right direction. They've sold their home. They've actually bought their sailboat. They're living in their sailboat. They're on the, on the marina living every day on their sailboat. They're improving their skills. You know, they're making sure that they're, they have good sailing skills and navigation skills. And, you know, they're working towards getting their ham radio license and just all these things, you know, you know, practicing first aid, uh, you know, all the emergency things that they need to be able to handle for a three-year journey to Australia where they're pretty much going to be on their own a lot of the time. They're mapping out their course. They're looking at the places they're going to stop along the way. They plan to, you know, do some missionary work and do some things for their church on the different islands they stop at. I mean, this is just an awesome experience that they're going to be putting together for themselves. And the fact that they've been working to it and each year they get closer to that goal. I mean, I just get excited thinking about it. Now, for me, I'd sort of maybe like to take three years and sail to Australia. I know that I have a really bad sense of direction. I tend to uh, drift off with my daydreaming, and I may not be paying attention to the compass and all that kind of stuff. And shoot, I could end up in, you know, Siberia or something. So I don't know that sailing would be the right thing for me. But to certainly do that for a week or two weeks or three months or something, I mean, that would be amazing, an amazing experience. Imagine what it must look like in the evening, you know, when it's dark and there's a big full moon and all the stars in the, in the sky and you're out there in the ocean by yourself. I mean, that has to be phenomenal. And then just everything that you've prepared for for those decades to be on your boat and, and just sailing off into your dreams and to be self-sufficient and, and all those self-preparedness skills and things that you've learned over the years all culminating in this trip that you're taking for the next three to six years. I mean, that's amazing. The people that they're going to meet on the way, the experiences, you know, again, I, you can tell I'm excited by it. I mean, it just, it blows me away that people have those kind of goals and they're working towards them and that they're going to achieve them. That's fabulous. So that's couple number one. Now let's, let's step up to somebody else. Incidentally, like I say these people live on a marina, they're on the ocean, they're obviously living on the coast. Let me take you to another person that's a listener in this audience. Now, this happens to be a man, a, a single man. He's a little older than the couple we just talked about. He's in his 50s. He lives on the coast also. He lives not on the marina like they do. He doesn't live in a sailboat, but he lives about, you know, less than a block away from the marina. He lives in a, a very nice high-rise, you know, exclusive kind of high-rise condominium right just off the water on, the, on a coastal city, a coastal town. And let me tell you about his dream. And he's living his dream. He's, he's a little bit older than these people are. He's basically the age they want to be, you know, when they, when they pursue their dreams. Well, he's already living his. And you know what? Where they want to sail and they want to go off into the ocean and they be, want to be gone for three years, this particular man never wants to leave where he's at. His day, almost all of his time is spent on a, on a block or a block and a half area that's right around that, that coastal city where he lives. He gets up, you know, he takes the elevator down to the, to the ground floor. He walks across the street to the building that he owns. There's a coffee shop in there. He gets his morning coffee. He reads the paper. He walks on the other side of the building that, again, that he owns and his business is in there. He's a proprietor of a service business. So he goes in there and during the day, he's helping people with their problems. He's, you know, doing solutions. 
He's interacting with the public. Just about everybody in the community knows him. He loves what he does, so he spends all day working there. He may have to go out and meet clients or go to meetings or, or do things for people. So he leaves occasionally, but pretty much he's every day you'll find him at his business because he loves what he does. He stays there until late at night. When he closes up his business, he, he goes to the other end of his building where there's a wonderful Italian restaurant and he has dinner and, you know, they treat him like he's a king because he's, you know, he's the landlord. He's a, he's their number one patron. He, he loves the restaurant. Everybody there knows him. You know, he gets a good meal every night. And he ends his days by, you know, taking his dog for a walk along the marina, along the ocean side there, walking through the park, just enjoying his life. He loves that little square block that he lives in. That's his life. That's his dream. He's worked for decades to get there. He has a wonderful lifestyle. Now, it's totally 100% different than the couple that I just talked about that wants to sail to Australia, right? He never wants to leave this little area he's in. He generally doesn't take vacation. He doesn't want to go anywhere. He lives in paradise. He loves the building he's in. If he wants to go swimming or work out in the gym or whatever, it's all right there. His business is across the street. He doesn't have to own a car if he doesn't want one. He was smart enough to not only start the business, but over the years, you know, build his wealth and save and then acquire the real estate that goes along with it. So he becomes his own landlord. And by having a profitable business and real estate in the community, then, you know, that makes him someone in the community. So he's asked to serve on, uh, you know, the board of directors of nonprofit organizations or be involved in community decisions and all those kind of things. He loves that. That's what he wants to do. That's what he aspired to do. And he, he, he saved and worked hard and moved himself in that direction. Didn't happen overnight. I told you, the guy's not 25 years old, right? He's like 50. Took him a long time to get there. But he's where he wants to be. And unless his goals or his, his dreams or his, his ideals change, he, you know, plans on living that lifestyle out for the rest of his life until he can't do it anymore. So he's probably has another, you know, 30 plus years to do that. That's amazing. Now I get excited thinking about that as well because he's living his dreams. It's not as exotic or, uh, you know, exciting necessarily as the couple that's sailing to Australia, but to him it is. It's producing an income doing exactly what he wants to do. He just enjoys that lifestyle and I'm passionate about anybody that's pursuing their dreams. So there you have it. Two different people within, you know, six or seven, ten years of age of each other pursuing totally different dreams, but both of them on track both of them doing exactly what's right for them. And consequently, they're not only happy, but they have above average wealth because they're pursuing their happiness. Now, these last two examples I want to give you, again, these are both two men that come from the listening audience. They're much younger than the people I'm just talking about. So these guys are, you know, maybe more in their 30s. And while in these previous examples, I talked about people that wanted to do things in their retirement or do things, you know, towards the end of their life, like the, the man that's living in the coastal town and working every day. He never plans to retire because he's like me. He's doing what he loves every day. Well, these two younger men that I want to talk, talk to you about today, they're doing things now that maybe will take them to a career in the future, but maybe it won't. But they're pursuing their hobbies. They're pursuing their passions. They're pursuing what they like. And although it doesn't make them a full-time living, it does bring them wealth and it does bring them a great deal of joy and happiness. And because I'm going to talk about their websites and their business, I'm, I'm going to, again, consequently identify them. I didn't ask their permission. I'm just generically telling you what's on their website anyway. So I'm not voiding any confidence here. These are not clients of mine. They're just people that come from the listening audience that, I, that I'm aware of what they do. The first guy, his name is Thomas. Now, Thomas is a computer guy. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know enough about his business, uh, what he does for a living, if he's a, a networker or, you know, a computer security guy, but he's in that computer engineering, computer science kind of career field. That's what he does as a day job. But you know what he loves? You know what his passion is? 
And I'll pause there because, right, it could be anything. He could love to garden. He could love to cook. He could love to write children's books. I mean, who knows what he loves to do, right? He could love to do anything. And again, that's the emphasis I want to play out here. What's right for Thomas isn't necessarily right for you. But I want to talk about what's right for Thomas because I want you to see by him attaining his goals, you can potentially attain yours. Well, you know what? Thomas loves guns and security and shooting and personal defense and all those kind of things. I mean, he's that kind of guy. He's a prepper kind of guy. And so he started it out as a hobby, right? He started, he learned how he got his concealed carry and then he learned how to do tactical shooting and defensive shooting and cowboy shooting. And I don't, I don't really live in that world. I don't know a lot about that. So I don't know all the things he's done, but I know that he loves all things that deal with shooting and self-defense. And so he started that as a hobby. And then as he got into it, he found other ways to make money with that, ways to defer his costs for other things or ways to put him in contact with other people that, you know, progressed to his hobby, gave him more knowledge. He could do that from a, uh, you know, a business generation standpoint, and he's taken that a lot of different directions. But what I want to talk to you about today really is the part about his holsters. So he makes holsters. So in addition to his training business, you know, which is a service, he also makes a product. The product he makes are holsters. Now, one of the types of holsters he makes are the old leather, um, you know, sheriff kind of cowboy holsters. He sells those to people that like to do cowboy shooting as a hobby. I mean, that's really cool. The other thing he makes, and I think this is a bigger part of his business, although I'm not sure, but he makes a lot of very high quality concealed carry holsters. You know, things for like nine millimeter pistols and things, the kind you can tuck and wear in, wear in your shirt so, so someone doesn't see the weapon. It's there, it's your shirt's tucked in over it, but it's got very easy access for you so you can draw it if you need it. It's designed so it's very comfortable against your body so you don't feel like you're, you know, wearing a gun. Um, so it fits all these needs. And you say, well, how did Thomas learn to do this? He's a computer guy. Well, he learned to do it because it's his passion, it's his hobby, he concealed carries, he does his cowboy shooting, he does all these things and he researched how to carry, how to, you know, the history of holsters, how guns fit in them, how they work best and, you know, Thomas is a perfectionist. So along the way, I'm not sure how many holsters of his own he bought, but I know he made a lot for himself. He, you know, he tweaked them. He decided what worked for him and what didn't, what was the best and what wasn't. And then when he took those ideas together, he was able to make holsters for other people. Now, again, this isn't like the retirement dream of the other couple that we talked about or like the guy that lives on the coast and he has his own business. This is just a small little part-time business that Thomas has. I don't know if it's a big money maker for him. I don't know if he breaks even. I don't know anything about that. I don't care. What I do know is that he's incredibly passionate about the holsters that he makes. And I also know that the people buy them love the holsters. I mean, they just think that they're fabulous. They meet the, the desires and the needs that people have, that they're comfortable and all those kind of things. It's at the right price point. So Thomas has found a nice little niche for himself where he gets to do what he's passionate about and he gets to develop a cash stream that he can use that to, to further his hobby or further his lifestyle or whatever he wants to do with it. That's amazing. That excites me too. I get excited as thinking about that as I do about, you know, a couple that wants to sail to Australia. Because it's his dream. It's his pursuit of happiness. And he isn't someone that's just sitting around talking about it. He's someone that, again, has spent years developing his craft, honing his skills, and moving in the right direction. Now, he doesn't always do everything right, I'm sure. He's made mistakes along the way, probably. He's probably made some holsters they need to go back and redo or whatever. But he didn't stop there. He didn't pout about it. He didn't complain. He just made them better and went on and sold more to other people. And, you know, he holds his concealed carry classes and things like that. And that's what he loves to do. That's fantastic. By the way, I didn't mention his website. 
I don't conceal carry. I do a little shooting. I, I like a 357. I'm just a plinker though. I stepped up to the 357 when it became so hard to get 22 ammunition. As much as I love 22s, I'll never go back because I can make my own light loads, you know, 38 special for just plinking. And then I have the 357 capacity if I ever would need it for, uh, you know, for hunting with a, a carbine or for defense uh, with a handgun or whatever. So I like the 357. I'm not an expert in weapons. I just, I'm a plinker. I play with them. Um, a guy like Thomas is an expert. I'll tell you this though. The reason I say I, I'm not an expert in it, I don't conceal carry. So I can't tell you that his holster is the best I've ever had. And it's the most comfortable, blah, blah, blah. I don't know that I've read uh, reviews that other people have given. And it sounds like he makes fantastic holsters. I can only say this. If I was going to buy a concealed uh, carry holster, I would buy it from Thomas. His website, incidentally, if you're interested, is libertyfoxdefense.com, libertyfoxdefense.com. I'll have that in the show notes. You can check that out if you're interested. Again, this is not a promotion of his business or anything. He's just an amazing guy. He's a listener to this in this audience. I want to highlight his business because I love the fact that he's pursuing happiness, that he's pursuing his dreams. This next guy I'm going to tell you about, very similar story. The man's name is Ryan. Now, he's a listener to this show. He lives up in Oregon. I've never met Ryan in person. I'm trying to think about it. I know we've exchanged inter, uh, we've exchanged emails. I've spent, uh, you know, I've spent so much time communicating with you members of the audience. I don't think Ryan have, and I have actually even talked live on the telephone before. I think we've only ever exchanged emails. Don't hold me that. And Ryan, I'm sorry if we had a, if we had a phone conversation and I forgot about it. I'm sorry. I just talked to so many people. I can't remember, but for sure we've, we've had some interesting email exchanges. I've been to his website. I've never used the services of his business, but he has an amazing business. You know what he does? Okay, we talked about the couple that wants to sail to Australia. We talked about the man that owns his own little coastal business. We talked about Thomas and his passion for guns and holsters. Well, Ryan, Ryan has a passion for horses. Okay, and I know a lot of people that have horses and they got to stable them and they cost them a lot of money in that. Well, you know, Ryan, he found a way to make his horses pay for themselves, and he's trying to build up a business where they not only pay for themselves, but where they can, you know, put him full-time in his business. Last time I talked to him, he was still pursuing this as a part-time business. He had a full-time job that really paid the bills, but this was his goal and his dream and his desire. And so what's he do with horses? Well, he is the cowboy carriage. If you go to cowboycarriage.us, you'll find Ryan's website. He's up in Bend, Oregon. He, give, he gives uh, carriage tours around the city where he has a team of horses and these can be like romantic little horse and buggy things they, these can be uh the little horse and buggy for exclusive weddings and things like that they can be uh, larger more bigger wagons that he does brewery tours with he takes you know i guess you know puts a bunch of guys up on his wagon and, and a get a keg of beer or something and then they go around and they they visit all the bars and taverns and uh and uh breweries and stuff in in Bend Oregon which sounds like a pretty wild time uh, but that's what he does and he does corporate events and parades and just all kinds of things you know christmas caroling events special holiday events He's a guy that just found out how to take his passion for horses and for being a cowboy and trying to make a living out of it. Now, again, he's not living a, you know, a Bill and Linda Gates lifestyle. He's not a billionaire, but he sure seems like he's a happy guy. Go to his website, check it out, cowboycarriage.us. You'll see pictures of him there and his team of horses and his carriages and his wagons. On one of the sites, I think it's at the bottom of his About Us uh, tab on his website, you'll see an interview where he was interviewed by the local, I don't know, I think it was like a local outdoor show. It's like the news anchor lady is interviewing him on his, on his uh, horse-drawn carriage, and you can just see the passion 
that Ryan brings to his business, how much he loves what he does. You know, I've uh, I've been in a couple cities where I've taken these carriage rides and they're pretty cool and all and I've enjoyed them. But if I'm ever in Bend, Oregon, and someday I will because I've got a couple great clients up in Oregon and I, I haven't been up there to meet them yet. I need to go up there and, and have some face-to-face meetings with them. So someday I'm going to pass through Bend, Oregon. And when I do, you can be sure I'm going to stop by Cowboy Carriage. I'm going to meet Ryan and hopefully I'm going to have my family with me and he can take us on a carriage ride through that that cool little city. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it would be a fun thing to do. And I, again, if you're out that way, you should stop in and see Ryan. Tell him you know he's a listener of the Wellsteading Podcast and that you're excited that he's pursuing his dreams and you want to ride in his carriage. These examples I'm telling you about, if you came to me as a client and you said, John, you know, I have $2 million and, you know, I want you to invest it for me, but I also want you to help me come up with my pursuit of happiness. Tell me the one or two or three things that I could do to pursue happiness that would make me incredibly happy. Well, you know, I would have never come up with telling them to start a cowboy carriage business. I would never come up with telling them to make their own holsters or provide, uh, you know, defensive handgun carry classes, or I would never tell them that uh, they should sail to Australia, right? These are things that are unique to the people that I talked about. They're not specific things that you can just tell someone about. That's why when we talk about building wealth, when we talk about happiness on this podcast, we have to talk in generalities. But I do that so that it enables you and it makes you want to follow your passions because you know what makes you happy. Remember, I always say that money may not buy happiness, but it can buy freedom. And so once you've built up that nest egg, once you have that wealth in place, then you can be taking those steps towards the liberty and the freedom that will allow you to pursue your happiness, right? It may not buy happiness, but that freedom and that liberty will allow you to move in the right direction to pursue your happiness. That's what I wanted to talk about in today's episode. I wanted to highlight these amazing people that are listeners from the audience, these really cool things that they're doing, things that when, you know, my clients or people like this in the listening audience, they get in touch with me, they tell me what they do. It just, it it reminds me of why I do what I do. This is, this is why I do it. I get up every day and I try and increase my wealth and try and increase the wealth of my clients. And I do things like this podcast because I want to be involved in not only building my own dreams, but vicariously living through those of you that are pursuing your own happiness. So let's end this podcast by saying, if you have a concern, a comment, you want to get in touch with me, you can do that through the website, which is wellsteading.com. I guess incidentally, as I bring that up, you know what? If you are pursuing your happiness, if you are pursuing your dreams, make sure that you go to wellsteading.com and get in touch with me. I'd love to know what you're doing. It can be your business. It can be just your hobby. You know, if you have a Facebook page, whatever it is, Uh, As you know, I get a lot of these emails and a lot of people make contact with me. I read everything you send to me. I can't always respond. I can't always send an email or or always talk to everybody on the phone. But I do read everything you say. And when you send me things like Ryan or Thomas have sent me, it motivates me. I like to go to your website. I like to read it. I like to understand what you're doing. It helps me build my passion. So I'd love to understand what it is that you're doing to pursue your dreams. And like I said, even if it's, you don't have a business website, I mean, even if it's just something that you're putting out there on LinkedIn or Facebook, it's, it's what you're putting out there on the social media. It's your hobby. It's your passion. I'd like to know about it. So let me know. Wellsteading.com. 
well, hey, until our next episode, and right now I'm juggling which what we're going to talk about in the next episode. I have two really important, interesting things that I want to talk to you about. One of them is about book, a classic book on invest. I want to talk about that and illustrate a point that I made a couple episodes ago when I answered questions about what type of books you might want to read for investing. That's very important. I don't know if I'll get that one in time for the next episode, but I also want to cover some more information on moving averages. So many of you are always asking me about you know 50-day moving averages, the 200-day moving average. I talk about trying to figure out how to have an episode where we talk on the high end about numbers, but we don't make it so boring that those of you that aren't interested in that tune out. So I'm trying to put that together in a lively manner. Uh, It's probably going to be more about the philosophy of investing than it is really about the average, but I do want to cover some of the questions and concerns you guys have had about using using moving averages. So all that coming up on the next episode or two. As always, until then, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best of returns.